Cole, we're live. Welcome. Welcome. Episode 44. Go Figure Podcast. Just getting started. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Great to see everyone. And uh, today's topic, an interesting topic. One that there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation regarding business credit, business credit scores, and how important it is, and how it actually works. And there are all these different programs and different people talking about it. So today's headline topic Money topic, the secret truth about business credit scores revealed, and we pull up a lot of information from chat GPT, from other sources, and we've you know been in the business credit space for a long time. You're an expert on it, Ty, so this is going to be a good topic for everyone that's in business finance, that's a business owner, that's heard all these different things about business credit scores and how it works, so I'm excited to unpack that topic today. And what else is on the docket for today? Yeah, that'll be... Uh a fun one to dive into, Leo. I think there is a lot of misunderstanding there. Yeah. But uh, our mindset piece is going to be pretty interesting here. We're going to talk about how to discern the difference between BS and truth in business and sales. Because there's there's a lot of both of those things in business and sales. No question. And I think we've all had an experience at some point where we wanted to believe. And deep down, we probably knew it just wasn't true. And there's, I think every entrepreneur has some sort of painful experience like that. Worse than just, you know, making a purchase decision that you end up regretting. But when you're a business owner and it's a big purchase, it's a big decision you make, the financial, you know, result can be a lot of money lost and something that most people can't fathom and most people would never be able to recover. But I think most successful entrepreneurs have that kind of story. So that'll be interesting to delve into that topic. Our mastery topic is what skill set does Elon Musk or what skill sets does Elon Musk possess that have led to his extraordinary success as the uh, one of the founders behind PayPal, of course, Tesla, the Boring Company, SpaceX, and now the owner of Twitter. So phenomenal uh, discussion there. We'll unpack some of the uh, eight or nine top skill sets that he has and see you know, where do you sit as you compare yourself to some of these skill sets and which of these might make a big difference in you building your business empire. Amen. And then obviously we always have to touch on the, the sports section. You know, what's, it's, it's outside of the NFL right now, so it's kind Ugh, of tricky. We're, can't come soon enough. We're not complete experts here, but uh, we're going to talk about why the NBA is absolutely losing its mind over Victor. I always struggle. Is it, is it Wembenyama? Wembenyama? I, I think. I mean, <laughs> is that is he? So he's in French? Is he from France? Like, where is he? I don't know anything. I, I know he's been playing in this French league, and I'd, I'd never watched him. I didn't know anything about him. And after he was selected number one, this last week, I started watching videos, and uh, it was it was incredible. So we're going to talk about well, they, that. They said five years from now, we will all know his name almost as much as we know the name LeBron James. But, uh, Leo, it's been quite a few years, and I still just call Giannis Giannis. So I, it's true. I don't know. It's true. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And, and Giannis is, is similar. He's from Greece. He played in that European league. He started super young, which I believe Victor did as well. Uh, the difference being Victor is seven feet four inches and can do a lot of the same things that Giannis can, except he's seven foot four and actually might be a better dribbler, might be a better shooter. In fact, yeah, I'd say he probably is a better shooter. Oh, yeah. So uh, baffling. That's going to be interesting. Most people are saying he is the 
uh, top prospect over the last couple decades since LeBron James, and others are even saying that he might be have a bigger career than LeBron James. Time will tell, but if you watch some of the videos on YouTube, you're going to be blown away. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right, my friends, let's jump into our money topic, our headline topic, business credit scores. How important are they? How do they work? What is the truth about business credit? And there's a lot of different information about this, tie. And, and you and I have been involved with business credit. I actually kind of got into the business funding space really full-time, uh, working for an organization, not really working for them, but they, they had like a, a program where you could resell their, their corporate credit program. And it's been around a long time. And, and that was when I first learned about business credit. Well, no, actually, that's not true. It was, it was actually back in 2010 in the middle of the recession. You know, my personal credit wasn't where I needed to be. And so I was trying to get financing for my business at the time. And so somebody was telling me corporate credit could be the way. And so we invested uh, some money into learning about corporate credit. We got a corporate credit coach and they were promising, yeah, you're going to have $50,000 in financing. We're super excited because then the idea was, well, you don't need good personal credit because your business credit is good, right? And uh, and what's been your experience? Like uh, what's some of the misinformation or disinformation? I can tell a little bit more about that story that you've seen in the business credit world. And there's, there's positives and negatives like any topic, but What's been your experience? Because you have a lot of experience with corporate credit as well. Yeah, it's uh, where to begin. It, there's a lot. I, I would say the biggest thing is just the misunderstanding. And yeah. when uh, the topic we're going to talk about of, of what's what's real and what's BS when it comes to business is going to be discussed a lot in this money topic as well. Because people, I'm sorry, this is probably the last thing that you want to hear. But if you started your Amazon business yesterday and you have zero sales and someone calls you and says in 90 days, I'm going to get you $50,000 in business credit because you're going to have a 95 paydex score. No, that would be categorized as the BS. Yes, your personal credit score does still matter with the vast majority of business funding opportunities. I mean, if you're a Google sized business, yeah, you're probably going to get some, some true corporate credit and some real offers that have nothing to do with your personal credit. But Leo, you and I are a business that you know, we don't need to talk about how much revenue we do. We have 30 employees. We're, we're a decently sized organization. And guess what? We still have to be tied to business credit. It doesn't mean that we necessarily, it's not going to show up on our credit report, but they still want to look at the personal credit of the person or the individual backing this business or backing the loan. So I'm not saying that corporate credit is bad because I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about this here in a minute. There are oh, yeah. a lot of really, really good things, a lot of very important aspects behind corporate credit, but corporate credit for too long has been looked at as this shortcut to, 
sneak around bad personal credit. And that's just not the case, especially not anymore. These bureaus have gotten way too smart for that. No question. In fact, before the recession of 0809, their key bank had a true business credit card. And if you had really good business credit with Dun & Bradstreet Business Experience, you actually could get maybe a $5,000 business card. And if you took good care of it, you could get the limit increased. And that went away after the 0809 recession. There might've been a couple others. And those products have never come back. And so business credit Let's let's first get into what makes business credit valuable, just so we can kind of get right to that. So number one, it reduces personal liability because you're building the business's credit and the business can't qualify for some things and some things it cannot. You're still going to need a good personal credit. It will help you to get better corporate credit funding. If they look at your personal credit's good and then they look at the business credit, perfect. Now you might get a bigger credit limit. And better with, rates. You might get better rates. Yeah. You might be get a better loan. And so those are those are so in terms of value, value number one, you do reduce some personal liability on some very you know, stringent business credit lines, like you might be able to get a $2,000 business card with Chevron in the name of your business without using personal credit. You might be able to get a $2,000 Office Depot card or Staples card, not using personal credit. So that way you're reducing personal liability a little bit, but it's never going to be cash usable, right? The biggest, so for me going back to 2010, when I went through this journey, it was about six months and we spent thousands of dollars to build our corporate credit. And at the end of the day, we realized, well, you know, I got uh, I got some gas cards. I got the Staples card. The biggest thing I think I got was maybe a six or seven thousand dollar credit line with Amazon in the name of the business, and so that was that was the best one that we got. But everything else was small, uh, maybe a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars or less, and. And, and stringently connected to a store like a Staples, like an Office Depot, like a Chevron. So I wasn't able to use my business credit to actually build my business. My business needed to spend money on marketing. My business needed to spend money on websites, on employees. And I couldn't take that business credit per se and get the cash funding I needed unless I had the good personal credit. So that's yep. the that's the truth of the situation when it comes to business credit and personal credit. Now, a couple other things that business credit's really good and helpful with is it does increase the value of your business. I mean, sure, if you have a good business credit score, maybe it will sell for more, you know, maybe. And then also it's a public record thing, right? Yeah, if it you, is. You know, personal credit, I can't look at your personal credit unless you give me permission but anybody can look at our business credit without any permission because it's a public record thing. You can check Walmart's uh, business credit score. You can check Tesla's business credit score and just pay for an $80 to $100 report at Dunham Bradstreet, and that's public information. So if you're trying to land a big contract with a Walmart to get your product into Walmart or you want to land a big government contract, maybe with the DOD, and you want to provide weapons of mass destruction or whatever, then they're going to look at your business credit. It, absolutely. It, it's interesting you bring up Walmart because I actually had a client. This was probably four years ago. It, it's been a while, but they called me. Very weird call. They call me and they don't say, Ty, I need funding. I need money. They say, Ty, I need, I need my business credit built very, very quickly. Thinking, what on earth? What's going on here? And they said, I have this awesome contract with, wow. with Walmart, but they want to look at my business credit rating, my pay or my this, my that. They, they want to make sure that I'm a good, reputable business, that I pay things back, that I do things on time. And so 
that case in point, Leo, they missed out on this awesome contract with Leo B or with Leo with with Walmart, with Walmart because they didn't have any corporate wow. credibility. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And a contract with Walmart can be a life changer. Oh, it can, yeah. It's it's going to be millions, if not tens of millions of dollars of your product because Walmart has so many stores. Walmart does more than half a trillion dollars in annual sales. I think they're up to six hundred million dollars or six hundred billion dollars. Uh, 0.6 of $1 trillion in total sales. And so if you get your product in Walmart, it's a game changer, life changer if your product sells on Walmart. And so that's a, that's a great lesson that you just shared there. And it's one that I've always talked about theoretically. I've actually never heard um, the truth behind it. And that's powerful what you're sharing there. So like anything, like any subject, like any topic, there's two sides of it. There's truth, there's BS, there's, you know, the misinformation out there and what really it can be about. And so it can be super helpful, but it's not the end all be all solution. The At the end of the day, if you are a business owner or you're in the business finance space, you're going to still need good personal credit. Good corporate credit goes really well together with good personal credit and by itself it doesn't do nearly as much as you would want it to do so if we just unpack it quickly there's three business credit bureaus out there you've got dun and bradstreet which is the oldest the biggest you've got uh, experian business and then you've got uh, or aquifax small business and those are the three main credit bureaus out there for business credit scores and interestingly enough with the business credit score ranges they're different right in personal credit we've got fico scores from 350 to 850 that 500 point range there in business credit with the dun and bradstreet they give you a paydex score and that paydex score is from zero to 100 and a paydex score what's a good paydex score that you should be they say you know, above 85 yeah exactly right you know you're, you're 85 uh, on your paydex score you're paying your bills on time you've got established business credit and then what's interesting is once you have that dun and bradstreet foundation then it becomes that much easier because experian will actually check your dun and bradstreet before they start building your experian profile and so what's different from business credit to personal credit is personal credit, I go get my car loan and it reports automatically. But if I get a business credit line, like how does that work? It just depends on the lender. They don't yep. legally, it doesn't have to be reported. And so sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes yep. they'll go to one of these bureaus. Um, sometimes you have to request it and they'll do it for you. So it's, it's really just, you know, you got to do your homework on this and ask the right questions to these lenders. Exactly right. So you have to actually build out your business credit profile, make sure everything matches. But at the end of the day, it can be a very positive and good thing. Every business owner should get their business credit set up. But if you are treating it as a crutch and you're going to have to, you can jump away, jump right to cash funding and financing in the name of your business without having good personal credit. That's not true. That's the myth. That's the disinformation out there that is not true. You're going to need both good personal credit and good business credit to get the best business credit funding possible for your business. And that, my friends, is the truth about business credit. And interestingly enough, now we transition here into uh, topic number two, which is our mindset topic, and that's how to discern the difference between BS and truth in business and sales. And interestingly enough, it's so easy if you're listening to someone who's pitching or presenting an option that's very one-sided, it can be very easy to miss out on what the actual truth of the matter is. And so, for example, you know, what, what's, what's kind of a good example that you would think of 
in in terms of truth versus BS, and where you you had a, a real life example where uh, I got I got taken for a ride. I kind of invested in the BS, and what was it that made that go wrong for me? I can share a quick story about it. I had uh, I was running uh, my mortgage company. This is all the way back in two thousand six, and this uh, I think I've t- I've shared this story before, but this Tonga couple. Uh, was neighbors with my business partner at the time. And they're like, hey, we've got this business opportunity. Can we come by your office? They came by the office and they're like, hey, we're from Tonga. They don't manufacture anything in Tonga, but they need popsicles and and stuff and food that has to be imported there because they don't really manufacture and it's tough to grow things on the island apparently. And we're like, really? Okay, well, let's uh, do a test. And so we did a test with some popsicles where we bought a bunch at Sam's Club. This is an 06. Sent them to Tonga, and then they were going to be there and make sure that they got sold. And as they were, before they went there, I actually went to Tonga in person. Jill and I did. We went scuba diving. It was cool. It was pretty. And uh, the beaches were not great. Oh, yeah. And the food was not great. Oh. So not good food, not great beaches, and the hotels were not also great. So. All right, I'll but uh, but we did going. stop by Fiji. Fiji was cool. Anyway, so we got to, got there, and it looked legit. We met with store owners who said they were going to be buying it. We saw how much they were selling for there compared to what we could buy them, that we were going to be profitable. Cool. And we came back, and the, and the Tongan folks, they stayed there. And by the way, there are wonderful Tongan folks all over this uh, world in the U.S., and we love them. But these Tongan folks were just like any other dishonest, bullshit artist, uh, you know, business professional who's just really struggled telling the truth. And the actual brains behind it was um, was the lady. Her name was Tilly. And uh, so Tilly said she'd take care of all the sales. And so I'm back in our office, and uh, it's like January. I'm like, oh, cool. Where's the money at? You know, we got we to gotta buy more product. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. I'm going to send $35,000 right now. Okay, great, great, great. Didn't come. Next week, where's the money? And so this this happened forever and ever again. So the bottom line, and I even put a lien against her house before we got started because I thought I was being so smart. But at the end of the day, there were just so many things that didn't add up. And I glossed over them in my mind. I didn't pay attention to them. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't get enough information. And I lost control of that deal. And it went south. And I lost a lot of money on it. So that's an example of not asking the right questions, of letting your greed get the best of you. And, um, you know, in terms of truth, it says factual and verifiable. There was so much I couldn't verify. Honest and transparent. She was not transparent. Everything was cloaked in secrecy. Uh, realistic claims. The claims were um, pretty aggressive in terms of putting a dollar in and getting 10 out, which is not not accurate almost ever in business, although we've seen it recently with, with one of our products, and that's very rare. But that was my experience. Yeah, I was, I was uh, trying to think about it. I think, which is a problem in and of itself, Leo, it's probably cost me more money than that situation, is I, I tend to be a little bit more of a skeptic. I, I think that I naturally don't trust a mm. lot of people that are trying to sell me something. Like tr- for me, trust is earned. It's not something that I give to you and I take away when you do something to not deserve it anymore. Um, but I have had a couple situations where just misinformation. I didn't do the right homework. And I think that the first one that came to mind for me was I I'd bought my first house. I was like 20 years old. Mm. Um, three, four months had passed and the loan officer that had helped me buy this house called me up and said, Hey, there's this awesome new loan program. Uh, we can ultimately switch loan providers, 
put you on a new loan and you can skip like two loan payments. And I, I mean, it was kind of, it felt like a stretch for me back then making my mortgage payments. I'm like, Oh, sweet. And he's like, his big thing was, it's, it's not going to cost you anything out of pocket. Uh, we'll just switch loan companies. You can skip a loan payment and then pick back up right where you left off. So I'm like, sweet. I trust this guy. I go in, I sign the papers, I do everything. It's all said and done. And all of a sudden I notice, like, okay, I just reset a 30 year loan it added like $7,000 on top of my principal and my rate didn't change a bit. So he literally just took advantage of me, ultimately got me to refinance so that he could get another commission, didn't lower my rate. Um, yeah, I didn't have to bring any cash to the table. So it, was, it felt like nothing out of pocket for me, but he went and got a commission. I owed an extra like $7,000 on top of my, my existing loan and it reset my 30 years. That's crazy because most mortgage lenders, like, there has to be a net tangible benefit when you refinance. And the fact that this lender's like, oh, yeah, go ahead and refinance, and the rate didn't improve, like, usually it has to, like, legit save you some money to do that. Otherwise, the lender themselves won't do it. But there's always someone breaking the rules. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it went from, like, FHA to traditional. I, I don't know what, what it was, but I yeah. ultimately broke it down, looked at it. A few years later, when I knew a lot more about what I was doing, I was like, I just got hustled there. <laughs> and everybody has a story like that. And one of the uh, you know most uh, influential entrepreneurs online these days is Alex Hormozzi, and he has a story like that where he uh, started this uh, joint venture gym with a partner who had a lot of experience, and he he glossed over some of the you know red flags. He knew this guy had a history. He had like a felony. And there were things that he just basically disregarded. He trusted him, went into business. They build up the account to well over six figures. And one day he logs in the bank account and the money's gone. And his his business partner's like, oh, you've been skimming off the top. He's like, no, 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 it's just a misunderstanding. He takes the bank statement, shows him. And then he realizes afterwards, oh, he, he really doesn't believe that I scammed anything. He just took the money and he's just screwing me. And he's older and he has experience and I made bad decisions and I have the experience. And so that's one of those things that happens. And so a lot of entrepreneurs will go through that story. Now, hopefully, you know, you guys can all learn from our experiences and not have to go through those types of painful things because they can be very painful. And one of the coolest things about it, Mark Cuban had uh, actually an experience like this where he had, uh, this is back in the 80s, and he had built their business bank account up to like $80,000 and they were selling computers and and it was... Uh, Maybe it was, no, I, th I think it was maybe the early 90s, and it was his first business that he was building up. He would eventually sell it. And his secretary, who had her name on the bank account, she would put in deposits and, and uh, pay bills and stuff. She le legitimately just robbed all the money out of the bank account and disappeared. Now, the thing that a lot of people will do when you go through something like that is they won't be able to rebound, and they'll just spend all their time Following that negative energy, it reminds me of uh, one of, uh, very rarely do we have bad clients. 99% of our clients are amazing, but you know, less than 1% of the time you have someone who doesn't, doesn't want to pay you, and you could spend all this negative energy and take them to court and waste all this time and negative energy and go nowhere with it. it same thing. Mark Cuban could have pursued that lady and got a, an investigator, and she probably blew all the money somewhere. And he never heard from her again. He didn't waste any time, and he just went back to building the business, working hard, and learning the lesson. And so sometimes I think that's kind of what you have to do is just learn the lesson and move forward. Because if you chase all that negative energy, I'll watch people that decades later are still working on that negative energy, and it will destroy their family, their finances, everything. 
And so the interesting things as you look at BS versus bullshit in business, but uh, often the, the bullshit is inaccurate or misleading information, exaggerated or unrealistic claims, lack of transparency, and then high pressure tactics. I'm sure that mortgage guy was like, oh, you got to close. We got to close. We got to close. The rate's going to expire. And so they create all this urgency and then it doesn't give you the time. One of our other business partners, uh, who's a very successful entrepreneur, has raised a ton of money, built tech companies and sold them. He got put in a situation like that where a partner and the VC company said, oh, well, you got to sign the day or the company's going to go under. And he had to sign and he lost all this ownership and equity that uh, he had spent years building up and working towards because of something like that where this fake urgency and he's had to sign the documents right now without reading them. And so if you're in that situation, you know, don't do it. Take the time, make sure you make the right decision. And if you do that, you'll be very happy you did. What do we got? Yeah, cybersecurity is very important, and it's going to be more and more important in today's world. What it comes down to is what you're downloading to your computer. If you, your employees, or team are downloading a lot of things to your computer and you're leaving them there, you have a server in your office, you know, you think of like Hillary Clinton's email server that she had, those are dangerous things. What you want to do is you want to put all of the liability and all of the risk on a big, huge company that has spent, you know, billions of dollars or at least hundreds of millions of dollars in their cybersecurity and use their secure portal. And so for most of us, that might be a CRM, that might be a Salesforce, it might be a Google Drive. And both of those companies are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies that have spent so much on cybersecurity. And so if you're holding your thing, your uh, important information, your you know, social security numbers, credit card numbers, things that are very private for people. Those things should be on uh, servers that are on the cloud based in a very big and strong organization, especially a CRM like Salesforce. That's kind of my take on that. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Same exact thing, but I'd add to that, make sure you have good insurance because yep. people out there are brilliant and they'll get through the Googles, they'll get through the Zohos, the whatever CRMs you have. So I would just, you know, make sure that you do have good insurance as, as a business owner. And and there's actually a specific cyber insurance that yep. we added uh, to our policy uh, a few years ago. And it's not the cheapest insurance, but it's important to have it, especially in today's world. And especially if you hold important, you know, client data and business information, even in, you know, some of those very high tech CRMs and, and the Google drives of the world, et cetera. So... Yeah, Great point. Absolutely. Great point. All right. So we've got two topics left here, and time is ticking down. We'll run through the mastery topic. When you think of Elon Musk's top skill sets that he has, what, what comes to mind? I would say the biggest thing for me with Elon is it, as strange of a guy as he is, he does what he says he's going to do. He, he actually does. takes action, and that's – that's more than 95% of entrepreneurs or so-called entrepreneurs out there. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. No question about it. He said he was going to buy Twitter. I think most people didn't believe him. I think most of the media didn't believe him. He bought Twitter. He said he was going to create the top electric car company in the world. 
And he came down to the brink in 2008 if he hadn't uh, landed that last loan that he really needed in order to get the right uh, build out of inventory for Tesla. But he was able to make that happen. He took all of his money that he had made from PayPal, invested it in Tesla and to SpaceX. And then he said he was going to create rockets at a fraction of the cost that NASA, who had been working on rockets for decades, and not only did he do it, but he did it so much more effectively. And, and now you can reuse the rockets that SpaceX has. Does everything go right? Of course not. It's, it's space exploration. It's rockets. But legitimately, he has transformed that business and that entire, the entire space industry. Like NASA doesn't even send things into space anymore. They legitimately have all of those government contracts now with SpaceX because he can do it better. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's always impressed me. And especially the stuff with the, the new chip. Like I, I just have learned not to doubt that guy anymore. He, he probably really will pull this off. And uh, I wonder if he's actually going to get in the cage with Mark Zuckerberg. That's, <laughs> that was a wild one. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. You know, the, this uh, cage match between Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, the interesting thing about it is uh, Zuck has been doing uh, a lot of jujitsu training. So he's in incredible shape. I think he even won a tournament in his weight class uh, a few months ago. So he's been really going all into jujitsu 100%. And on the other hand, Elon Musk is, I mean, he's just killing it everywhere, right? He's running Tesla. He's running SpaceX. He's fixing all the problems at Twitter. He's got the Boring Company. He's got SolarCity. He's got all these different, you know, irons in the fire that he's managing. I don't know how much time he's got to be working on his uh his world-class uh, fighting skills. That's what I'm saying. I don't think those guys realize how hard it is to even box for 60 seconds, let alone go through like a full-fledged cage match. Oh, like, like you said, I mean, you were you were a, good, a great wrestler. Like, it's the the toughest workout you've oh, ever had. Yeah, I'd love to say. I'd pay it. If pay oh, I'd pay 100%. Now, here's one of the problems that Zuck has. Mark Zuckerberg is five foot seven. He looks like he's 150, maybe 160. Elon's 6'2". Maybe 210, 215. So I don't know if Zuck, uh, you know, I know he feels like he's in great shape, but you can be in the best shape ever if the dude's, you know, got uh, a reach of seven inches more on you and he's significantly heavier and he, he falls on top of you. It's going to be tough. Gonna be yeah, tough. yeah, especially if they're – I don't know if they're boxing, but like that might be bigger than uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao, though. So oh, it I, would. I hope they can figure this it out. It would, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, Dana White actually had a, a post – and he had like a, a T-shirt made about uh, Musk versus Zuckerberg, and he's and he, he he tweeted the other day that he had just gotten off the phone with both of them, and it's going to be awesome. the biggest event ever. <laughs> that is awesome. I guess we'll see. Speaking of the biggest event ever, so the NBA had uh, the draft this last week, and the number one pick was not a surprise. It was the French basketball star Victor Wembanyama. And I'd, I'd, I'd been hurt hearing about this kid, but I actually didn't know anything about it. So I, for whatever reason, I Google. No, what happened, I was scrolling through Facebook or something, and I saw this picture of him with Spurs legends, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, etc. And the thing that shook me is as I was looking, I'm like, wait a second, David Robinson's like 6'11", so is Tim Duncan. And this dude was like a full head taller than both of them. Like, how tall is this kid? Seven foot four, may get another inch, may end up being seven foot five. And so I'm like, holy cow, this kid is is super tall. But you know who was seven foot five? Sean Bradley. 
Yao Ming. Sean and Bradley. Yao Ming. Yeah. And remember how big those dudes looked out there on the court? Yeah, he's got... Yao was huge. Imagine Yao Ming with the same ball control of Kevin Durant. Yeah, but he's quicker. So I started watching videos, and this kid is quicker than Kevin Durant. He's got moves and skills, and he's literally like crossing people over. I mean, he's, it's not quite Allen Iverson, but he's pretty smooth. He is smooth yeah. and quick. So he is. He kind of has that quickness and that smoothness of a, of a Giannis, Giannis does. And, but yet he can also shoot. Yeah. He was shooting from 40 feet, nothing but net, multiple times in this highlight reel. And then he had these fallaway jumpers. When I mean, you're seven foot five, like shooting fallaway, no one's ever going to block that. But, uh, and then he had all these spin moves, and his arms are so long that he can spin move and be like eight feet away from the basket and like just reach out and still tap it right in. Yeah, eight foot wingspan. There, there's a video Crazy. clip where he shoots a three. And he misses it off the front of the rim, and he literally grabs the rebound and slams it in front. Like, he was on the three-point line, within a split second, was able to oop himself. I'm like, this it, was guy. Like, it was like one or two steps, and he was there, and he just yeah, there right were, in. There was this analyst. It was a, I was listening on satellite radio, and I, it sparked my attention because I like the Jazz. And someone was like, if the Jazz were to give up, I don't know if it was three for yeah, I think it was three first round picks, yeah, right? If they said if the Jazz were to give up all three of their first round picks plus two first round picks next year, five first round picks to move up to the number one spot, would the Spurs have done it? And they said absolutely not. No chance. Which is insane. No chance because this kid is that talented. He's that much of a game changer. You can build your entire organization around him. So he, he's got some of the skills of a Jokic, maybe not the passer yet, but he's quicker and he has more dribbling skills like he can just get by people at seven foot and if you can get by people like one step and you're already there you're already the hoop like it's gonna be tough and even if you have like someone in front of him like his arm is so long he'll just put it over you and dunk and yeah it's gonna be interesting to watch this kid for sure absolutely i'm excited to see it oh casey's casey's calling his shot he says uh, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this coming year. How do you feel about that, Ty? Um, I think there's better shot of the Jazz Are you putting money on the, the on the Cowboys? No, there's no okay. chance. Yeah. There's yeah, no chance they get through the Eagles in the NFC. I don't think anyone's going get, to get through the Eagles. No. Or the Niners. Yeah. No, the Eagles are going to be unstoppable. I, they, played, they, they played the best... I'd say out of everybody who's lost in a Super Bowl, they're probably the best team that's ever lost in a Super Bowl. And I think they're going to come back. They said all the, their response after that Super Bowl was crazy. I mean, they must be, Nick Sirianna must be one of the best coaches ever because their response, there was no whining and complaining. There were a couple of questionable calls that could have changed the entire complexion of the game. And there was just 100% accountability on everybody's um, you know, interview, especially Jalen Hurts. So I was impressed. I think they're going to be difficult to beat this year. Yeah, I agree. Fun team to watch. I think the only way they get beat is if somehow Brock Purdy comes back the same fluke of a Brock Purdy he was. So we'll see. Yeah. Time will figure. Go figure. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, 
then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.